Welcome to Mortgage Connects by MGIC, bringing you the latest insights from top mortgage professionals around the industry. I'm your host, Stephanie Budnick. Today, we'll be talking to Sean Phelan. Sean started in the finance world at the age of 19, and since then has built up a diverse and strong background in the industry. This includes experience in structuring business growth, private equity financing, and mortgage lending. Since then, he has grown several teams in both the private equity and traditional lending markets. As a serial entrepreneur, Sean has also started and managed several holding groups that focus on real estate acquisition and development. Sean's focus on real estate has launched the founding of several real estate-based ventures with the mission of streamlining the real estate process. He currently resides in the Gold Coast of New Jersey and enjoys traveling and continuing to invest in various business ventures. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, Stephanie. Yes. Now, when I was talking to you previously, I kind of heard that you are a part of the Asian Real Estate Association for America. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Tell me about your role in the organization and your involvement with that. Sure. Yes. So I've been involved with uh, with ARIA for uh, a little over five years now, I guess it's been. And uh, I was just introduced um, from a friend who was in the real estate world. And he said, listen, everybody on the board, you know, anyway, and you already do business with, why don't you join for 99 bucks a year? You know, it, it doesn't hurt. You can just, you know, see everybody you're used to seeing anyway, um, which I quickly found out was a ploy that even I use now to, to lure <laughs> prospective board members on. Um, but, but no, in all seriousness, I, I, I joined the board and uh, started helping out with the marketing aspect uh, for our events and then um, was voted in as VP uh, about a year later and um, was vice president for about two years. And then um, in 2020, which of course is an interesting year, was uh, my year as uh, president of uh, ARIA Northern New Jersey chapter. Okay, great. Do you find that you're using that in parallel with your current role as well at US Bank? Yeah, definitely. Um, It's grown my business quite a bit. Um, Our chapter, has a very large, uh, large core of its membership on Hudson and Bergen County, which is really the Gold Coast of New Jersey is what they call it. And then in 20, uh, 2018, or I'm sorry, 2019 and 2020, I got the opportunity to become the uh, mortgage committee chair for ARIA National too, um, which really kind of got my, uh, my mortgage name out there, so to speak, and has helped me grow business uh, well outside of New Jersey as well. So that's, uh, it's been, been good. Spinning off of that a little bit, in your opinion, thinking about diversity and diversity in the workplace, um, how has that become so important to you and what has U.S. Bank done to incorporate that on a day-to-day basis to support diversity and inclusion? Right. Um, So, I mean, obviously it's important. It's important to have different backgrounds and perspectives, um, different levels of experience, right? As, as our industries constantly change, right? The real estate industry as a whole um, is a very regulated one and one that the regulations are constantly changing. And so it's very important to have that in any kind of organization, um, uh, any of the banks I've worked for, uh, US Bank and RE itself, right? Are of course for that, um, for uh, not only just, um, not only for the benefits of obviously having uh, a diverse segment of, of workers, um, but also, again, it's 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 good for it's good for the company overall, right? It's good to have different perspectives around you. Um, it helps you grow as a person. It helps you grow as as a business person, as a manager, right? And I think it's very invaluable to have a lot of different cultures and understanding, especially in the world that we live in today, right? 
And I'm, I'm in the New York metro area, right? It doesn't really get any more diverse than that. Uh, so it, it's funny when you talk about diversity, in my area, we kind of really don't know anything but diversity because that's just the area we live in. Um, but it has definitely helped sharpen uh, myself as even just a salesperson on different cultures and understanding where people are coming from. Sure. I can see that definitely being true. You know, there's a lot of different things that even being, you know, a woman doing different types of things for me, I feel like that diversity is really important to bring into a variety of groups and, and things. So um, talking about the diversity aspect and maybe you a little bit more personally, can you tell me about your cultural background and how that's played a role in addition to your personal and professional life? Sure. Um, so I was originally born in Korea. I was born in Seoul um, in South Korea. And uh, my sister and I were actually adopted from Korea into an American family here. So uh, my last name um, used to actually be O'Fallon. Uh, two generations ago when uh, my family, the Irish side of our family, migrated from Ireland. So you have myself um, born in Korea, my sister uh, in an Irish family, Irish-American family, and my wife is from South America and my father-in-law is from Puerto Rico. So, you know, that's kind of been my journey as far as uh, being in diversity. Um, and it's neat. Uh, again, I, I have daughters and I think uh, understanding different cultures is huge. Um, and I think understanding, um, you know, especially as this world continues to get more diverse, it's, it's really, really important to understand that. And um, it's, it's helped through ARIA, actually. You know, I grew up in a you know, pretty American household. So ARIA allowed me the chance to kind of reconnect with some Asian roots and Asian cultures that I previously just didn't have the opportunity to understand. Um, you know, uh, never really spoke uh, any bit of Korean. Uh, never ate much Korean food, all of those different things. And so now that is actually a big part of my life. And our organization really helped that, especially over the past five years to where now my wife and my daughters are learning Korean, right? Because they see it so much more. So it's, it's just been kind of a neat progression. That's really exciting. That is really cool that you can do that. I know that May is Asian Heritage Month um, and or sorry, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I don't want to discount that at all. Um, and in light of that, and speaking a little bit more about what you just referenced with learning more and being more into the cultural, what does being Asian mean to you? I mean, in, in different capacities, probably since you originated from Korea, but then moved and were adopted. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of labels that go along with it, as, as there is every culture. Um, some stereotypes are, are annoying, some are humorous, um, some are very true, uh, it, it, you know? And, but again, I, I, think, I think that those, um, those stereotypes are, are, are unique, right? And I don't think they're anything that as an Asian American, we should shy away from, right? Um, if, uh, if, if a culture is known for something, right? I think that culture should embrace that. Right. I think that they should, uh, uh, in, in, obviously, as long as it's not harmful to others, right, they should uh, yes. enjoy that part of their culture, um, whether it's the food, whether it's the family aspect. Right. Some of the family structure in Asian American uh, communities is very different, different than in uh, the average American culture. Right. Uh, and I think it's really neat to take some of those values and to incorporate them. You know, so I think for me, you know, just being an Asian American, I don't necessarily identify myself as just, you know, Asian first. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm an American, right? I was adopted here. I'm very thankful for the opportunity that, uh, that this country has created, right? Especially for me and my story. And so I just enjoy learning about the culture as any culture is and, uh, and taking those values from it and, and adding that to my life. When you speak about the power of family and different things that come along with the Asian culture, we have customers and lenders that are really looking to take on and try to embrace the, the culture and help meet the needs and be more aware and mindful of things that matter. Can you speak to some of those things that matter or how connecting with this demographic, what kind of, kind of powerful tools could you use or have conversations about? Yeah, with connecting with Asian Americans, I mean, that's really what a lot of ARIA is about, right? We are, um, one of our, our core values is education. And I think um, understanding um, different cultures, even within Asian American culture is very, very important. Um, you know, Chinese culture and some of their business practices may be different than Koreans, uh, very different than what, you know, Southeast Asian, right? You have Vietnamese and so on and so forth. So, uh, and there's so many different subcultures within that. Um, but I think uh, understanding um, where they're coming from, understanding that, you know, for instance, you could have a family who has fought tooth and nail to make their way here to America, the land of opportunity. So when they're moving forward to buy a house, when they are getting a mortgage, right? This is, this is not just what's supposed to happen. This has been maybe a lifelong goal for them and their family. This is a huge milestone. So it may mean so much more culturally and emotionally to them than we as practitioners in the real estate industry, realtors and mortgage reps and, uh, you know, and mortgage insurance reps and so on and so forth. We just think of it as another transaction, but for them, it's so much more, right? Because um, I think sometimes in certain countries, especially in America, we, we get spoiled with things, right? We don't understand that certain cultures have, have really had a very difficult time and a very series of very strong series of challenges to get here. So I think that one aspect is very, very important to keep in mind. Um, I can't tell you how many uh, Asian American clients that we've had that we've sat across the table from that, you know, this is, this is huge for them, right? So they handle every aspect of the, of the transaction as if their life depends on it, right? Because the concept of owning a home, the concept of having their own home, their own business, the freedom to do so is so foreign to some of them, especially in some of the more old school world, right? And so understanding where they're coming from and kind of appreciating that is huge. And then you have the millennial uh, Asians coming down with, you know, buying up some very expensive properties on the waterfront and getting $500,000 gifts from mom and dad overseas, right? So it's a very different culture, but understanding then how to link and how to kind of translate the process from them to their parents is really important. So understanding where these two segments of the Asian American community are coming from and their home buying mentality is really, really important. For the younger generation, it's their parents pushing them to invest into real estate and teaching them that they need to park their money there and it's wise. And then for some of you know, more of an old school generation, maybe just getting their first home or just starting, right? And they're, and they've been, you know, scraping together the money for 10, 15, 20 years to do so, right? This is more like their life goal. So understanding those two ends of the spectrum is really, really important to doing business. Do you find that it is an equal part between millennials and the older generation that are trying to find a home at this point? Or is the focus more shifting towards the millennials? Um, well, the millennial generation will continue uh, to be the driving force for just about everything economically. 
um, as far as upward growth, I believe over the next, and it is currently and will continue to be the largest generation in history. Um, it depends upon what area of the country you're in, obviously. Um, where I'm at here in the Northeast and all along the East Coast, you have, generally speaking, a younger professional crowd coming to play, very well-educated, very financially savvy, uh, very financially strong, uh, much stronger than, than other parts of the country. So um, here, I do see that a lot, right? It's the vast majority of my clientele are millennials. Uh, they're well off. Uh, their net worth is high uh, and, and on the list goes. Um, but I think, again, understanding even the millennial mindset, they're changing too, because now a millennial can have two or three kids, right? They can be on their second or their third home even. They own, may own multiple properties. So their mindset as, a, as to what they're doing with their money and real estate is changing. You know, they're leaving the $2 million condo behind and moving into the burbs, right? And maybe looking at rental properties and that. And I think it's important to also understand that millennials are the most financially conscious generation in history, meaning that they're very, very conscious. They're very, very careful about where they put their money and what happens to it. Um, and most Asian American households are are really uh, trained in that and pushed uh, in that to, to be very, very careful with their money. That is just, uh, you know, one of the cultural highlights here. And so I think it's very important to understand that they're going to want to know uh, where their money's going, what's happening, understand the process and not just blindly, you know, uh, taking, taking people's word for it. Yeah, it sounds similar to what you were speaking to reference where even the older generation, how valuable each step of the way is what they're doing with their money, how big, you know, like wanting to know each step of the way. It sounds like that aspect doesn't necessarily disappear regardless of the amount of homes that it is for them, or if it's the first home and it's even, even that process, would you say that that's true? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I can't tell you how many, uh, how many in that age group I've come across that um, we're on the phone and those phone calls last 10 minutes because they know what's needed, right? They remember the process. They're interested in understanding it. Um, very, very few and far between will, will you have a, a, you know, a millennial buyer, especially a millennial Asian American buyer who just um, does, isn't interested in understanding what's happening. They do want to know every step of the process and on their second or third home, uh, they're well familiar to where they, uh, you know, without asking, they'll send those documents in. They understand the process and so on and so forth. I felt like I fell into that category with my home buying and my background. I was like, well, I asked all these extra questions and they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I, can, I feel like I can relate into some capacities there. Looking back at your professional trajectory, what advice could you possibly give your younger self and why would you do that? Or why would you give that advice? That's a, that's a tough question. It's deep. That's I know. Yes. Digging in deep on the podcast. Stephanie. Um, I, I would say, um, I would say the probably, probably the two pieces of advice I would say is to maybe go a mile deep rather than a mile wide on things. I, I think I, I preach that to just about everybody I talk to now. Um, and then uh, the second thing is be a little bit more patient with certain things. Um, you know, I, I'm a pretty wound up a type personality. Um, I don't really like waiting for anything, uh, ever. So, and, and in business, especially in the real estate world, um, patience wins the day on certain things and going a mile deep and investing in what you have right next to you and what you have around you and in your marketplace and not looking over the fence. Uh, you know, 
that that can it, it can send you leaps forward and sometimes it has but other times it can cause a lot of waste of time so i think those two those two pieces of advice is what i would probably hammer into my head eight ten years ago i like that i'm gonna have to use that deep versus wide instead of casting that large net to try to get more things it's being more targeted and, and thoughtful on your processes i like that all right, I have one more deep question then for you, and I will I will give you a break for the day. Um, the last one is, is just what keeps you up at night? There's a lot of stuff changing in the world today. There, you know, we just had 2020, a year of a pandemic that no one could have really ever saw happening. What what types of things keep you up at night today? Not not much, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I um, I don't, I don't worry, uh, about things too much. Um, not like I, I used to at, at the beginning of my career, I would say what, what may bother me or what may, um, really get me up from just sitting back and relaxing and wanting to get going again. I, I think my biggest fear, if you want to call it that is, is really not realizing my full potential and not, you know, doing all I can do even, even after a great month or a great year, or if we get, you know, we, we do a great acquisition with our, with our property acquisition group or any of those types of things, right. You always wonder, okay, how can we do that better? How can we make that more streamlined? How can we refine that? Right. And, you know, that's really um, falling in love with that process is I think, uh, you know, the key to a little bit of contentment in, in business, even no matter what kind of success you have. I think that's I think that great advice that you can provide and, and, that's good insight to even think about regardless of if it keeps you up at night. I think it's always good to be mindful of how you can do something better or more efficiently. Yeah. Sorry. I wish there was more that kept me up no. at night, but uh, not a whole <laughs> lot. <laughs> there is no golden answer. For me, it's my two children that keep me up at night. So I wouldn't have had a really deep intuitive answer at this moment. None of mine keep me up at night anymore. If you, if we'd have done this interview a few years back, maybe, but uh, we're, we're past that stage. Thank God. <laughs> well, Sean, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you being on here. It is great to hear about some of the aspects that you talked about today. And I hope that others learn a lot from hearing it. Thanks so much, Stephanie, for having me and uh, good luck on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. For all the latest industry insights, subscribe to Mortgage Connects with MGIC on Apple, Stitcher, or Spotify, or check out mortgageconnects.com.